If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read some Bible readings. I've got some uh, readings from Genesis, from Psalms, and from Romans. So we're all over the place. So you have to be quick on your electronic devices or with your Bibles. But first of all, I'm reading from Genesis, chapter 1, selected verses in there. So 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness God called the light day and the darkness night, and the evening passed and the morning came, making the first day. Just down to verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given green, uh, green plant for food, For all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry around. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, making the sixth day. Psalm 19, verse 1 to 4. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. In Romans number chapter 1, 18 to 21. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he had made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas for what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Thanks, Wayne. I want to say a couple of things before I begin my teaching this morning and that is that at the close of our celebration this morning Julie and I will uh, be leaving fairly quickly after we finish uh, because we've been invited to the official opening of at Victory Life Church today of their prayer tower and it's also their 27 year anniversary and uh, believe it or not Pastor Margaret Court celebrated her 80th birthday yesterday as well so uh, we will have the joy of representing you up at Victory Life we're going to sneak in the back um, the official openings happening after their 10:30 service and uh, they have the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison as their guest speaker this morning so well 
Last week when I was standing up here, I said, why is the sky blue? And encourage you to adopt a spirit of curiosity when you're reading the Bible and go, I wonder why God said that. I wonder why God did that. If you, if you took me up on that and engaged with that spirit of curiosity during the week, I'd love to hear from you either by email or give me a call. Uh, don't try to talk to me this morning as I'm leaving. But um, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear. If you adopted that, that childlike spirit of curiosity, like the why, why is that so, Lord? This week, it's been, it was inspirational for me, and I hope it was for you, when uh, the first images from the James Webb Telescope uh, confirmed that God has a very big backyard. I don't know if you saw these images, and there's one on the screen behind me, and, and here's what the, the Webb Telescope uh, website says that's a lot of webbing in there the web telescope website they said that this image on the screen covers a patch of sky approximately the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length by someone on the ground and in that grain of sand there are thousands of galaxies in that tiny little piece of the universe. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. So this next image again. Day after day they continue to make him known. Day after day, they continue to make him known. They speak and their message is not heard. And then final one is this. Yes, their message goes out throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Now, we live in an age where this, these images have come to us from however many light years out in space the telescope is and I can't remember all those details and you can go and look them up all the science buffs would love to know that sort of thing but it's just inspiring that it evokes worship you go God's amazing and we're getting to see these things I think of Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 as well. I mean, there's so many scriptures that come tumbling out when you see these images. But Revelation 4.11, that God created everything in it and he created what gave him pleasure. And you look at the colors and the, all the things that are embedded in this, in these phenomenal images, and you go, God, you're so big. You're so big. And how tragic that... Uh, the people that were announcing these images couldn't say God, couldn't give credit to God for creating the universe, some accident. That's why I wanted to read Genesis 1 to you this morning. I wanted to have it read to you this morning that God created the heavens and the earth. It's something we have to keep anchoring ourselves in because the narrative our culture tells us is not that narrative. Our culture uh, says there was some sort of bang. Yep, that's the word, a big bang. Well, Genesis says there was a big noise, but it was the voice of God who said, 
let there be and there was. It's, it's stunning. It's awesome to look at this, look at the majesty, get lost in the wonder of these images. But let it evoke worship from your spirit. To go the awesomeness of God. But also let you let ourselves be captivated by the pinnacle of God's creation is what? Humans. And that's why I put those two readings together from Genesis chapter one. These things go together like of all the all the things that God created, the cosmoses, the planets, all that stuff and the plants and the animals and all but the pinnacle of creation, the only part of the creation that says is made in his image and likeness is humans. We stand we have a unique place in the created order. The ideology of evolution robs humanity of the unique place that God has given us. It's robbing millions of people. That ideology is robbing millions of people. And it's so important that we keep counteracting it because it's in the air we breathe in a sense because it just keeps bleeding through everywhere. Not just science textbooks in schools. And this morning I wanted to pick up on this theme. I wanted to talk about fighting for identity. So we could have a little little fight this morning. Maybe you've had a few fights to get here this morning. Hopefully not, but maybe you did. Maybe you had to fight yourself to get here. Maybe you had to fight the feeling of like, I don't want to go. I don't feel like going. Maybe you had to fight other fam- members of your family for the, to get in the right seat in the car. Maybe. Maybe you fought to walk here or ride your bike. I don't know. We're living in such a time where the fight for identities is an ongoing thing. And I feel like it's something that we have to keep returning to again and again. again, Because our culture is telling our children, our teenagers and you, adults, all of us together, we're telling us a different thing. And we need... People are... People are um, because we refuse to be anchored in, in the truth of the scripture... Because we've refused to take those thoughts captive and bring them into submission to Christ, as Paul said, bring them in and put them at the foot of the cross and say, where does this idea come from? And how does it stack up against what God's word says? This is what we need to do. And if I speak with intensity this morning, it's because I'm fighting for you. And I've been fighting in the place of prayer for people, this, not just this morning, but in an ongoing way. Because this fight for identity, it's the fight to claim and to live in, the, live in this reality of who God says I am, who God says we are. As his image bearers and all the, all the ramifications that flow from that. The dignity that comes to every single person because they're an image bearer of God. Yes, we're broken image bearers. Yes, we're sinful image bearers. But everyone bears his image and likeness. But those who have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God bear, have been given a new nature 
and the character of Christ growing in us. And so in this place where our world is grappling and offering all sorts of unbiblical identities that are destructive and doing great damage to people. I see it everywhere. And I see it in our church. I see it in the wider society. They are destructive and damaging. And Paul tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 1 that when people refuse to worship God or even give him thanks, it's an interesting statement that Paul makes. This is uh, verse 21, Romans 1 verse 21. Paul is arguing, he's saying, yes, people knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. It's like even giving God thanks is, a, is like a helpful bit of this puzzle for people. And one of the things is that there was a period of time where in our culture, from our parliament right through our culture, there was what you would call a reverence for God. Some of you are older than me and you will remember this time. I remember when I was in primary school, I was a small boy, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer as a whole primary school in public school. That's, the, that's where our culture was, just 55 years ago. Whereas now, any, any reference to the Lord's Prayer in a public school would, would probably be mortally condemned. But that carried within it some seeds of perhaps there is a God who we ought to acknowledge. Paul goes on, he says, what happens when people refuse to worship God or give him thanks is that they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. And as a result, their minds become dark and confused. You see the progression there. We refuse to worship, someone refuses to worship God, refuses to give him thanks. They don't, they don't stop worshipping. They begin to think up imaginations. They begin to think up what Paul says are foolish ideas about what God is like. But their minds are actually dark and confused. But they think they have knowledge. They think it's foolish to acknowledge God. And so what God does is he gives them over and says, because you will not worship me, because you mock me, because you belittle me, I will hand you over to that. This is verse 28. And I will let you do things that should never be done. And that pretty much is where we are in our culture. In verse 29, Paul says their lives become full of every kind of wickedness. Sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior and gossip. I want you to hear very clearly this morning that when we talk about fighting for identity, it means, it means having a really honest look about who I'm worshipping. It means having a real hard look at the people I idolize and want to be like. The influences I follow, for example, on, on social media. Like, who is influencing me becomes a, becomes a very crucial question in my fight for identity. 
Because if I'm not following an influencer who is worshipping the true and living God and calling me up into the place of dignity that I have in him, then I ought to cut them off. Cut myself loose from them. Because I'm never going to find, and your children, your teenagers will never find, authentic identity from a person like that who refuses to worship God. In a 2018 article in The Guardian, a man called Keith Kahn Harris, with the article had the headline, Denialism, What Drives People to Reject the Truth? And he wrote these words, At root, denial and denialism are simply a subset of the many ways that humans have developed to use language to deceive others and themselves. Isn't that a startling thing? Denial and denialism are one of the many ways that humans have developed to use language to deceive others and themselves. We, if you listen to what's being said so much in, in media, um, media, in all forms of media, news media, how stories are being told, um, movies that are being, where, where lo- the great lies that are being told the language that's been cultivated to deceive themselves and other people. Khan Harris says denial can be as simple as refusing to accept that someone else is speaking truthfully. How often do we see that all we see that all the time? I will not let you speak truthfully because it challenges my ideology, so therefore I will attack you, I will mock you, I'll belittle you, I'll telling you you are a hater, you are a bigot I'll call you all sorts of names. So denialism, Kahn goes on and explains in his article uh, that denialism is actually a whole new way of seeing the world which basically strips it of any objective truth. So it's not just I deny the truth, but denialism, he said, is an ideology where I create a whole other truth that doesn't exist. (laughs) Actually, it's a whole new way of seeing the world. Um... He says denialism is combative, it certainly is, it fights all the time. Uh, Denial hides the truth, but denialism builds this alternative reality. I want to say that this kind of thing is not new, because obviously Paul's writing in the first century, isn't he? Romans 1 is written in the first century, and there people are engaging in denial and denialism because they're refusing to worship God, they're refusing to thank God, and so they're, they're given over to these kind of things. Now, at the time that Paul was writing, there was a, there was a form of this that was called Gnosticism, and it's, I call it Gnostic dualism. We've touched on this a little bit before, but Gnosticism is from the Greek word. The Greek word gnosis means knowledge, but Gnosticism was regarded as a special form of knowledge. And it infiltrated the church in a way where people are like, you've got to have, it's not just about what's in the Bible and what the apostles taught, is there's this other special knowledge that can be known. Uh, but so Gnosticism was actually widespread. It was the the cultural soup that people were living in in the ancient world. And really, if you think about it, well, I've thought about it, so I'll tell you what I think about it, and you can think about it, and you can decide for yourselves. But Gnosticism is basically a form of superstition. How many people have you heard, you know, things like, 
They'll make something, they'll say, life's going well for me at the moment, touch wood. What's touching wood got to do with life going well? Well, it's a superstition. People throw salt over their shoulders. And there's all these sorts of things that people do. That when you take it out and look at it in the bold light, in the light of the sun, you go, that just has absolutely no relevance at all. Anyway, Gnosticism in its most basic form disintegrates body, soul and spirit. Uh, Gnostics taught that the physical is bad, that the physical is evil, and it's the soul, it's the mind and the will and the emotions that's preeminent. We see this has gained much traction in our culture, particularly through things like the idea that someone is transgender. Someone is born in the wrong body. Rather than their biology defining them as a male or female, their feelings have been given preeminence. And this is a form of Gnosticism, which denies reality. And it disintegrates. You can see how it disintegrates body, soul and spirit. The other thing of Gnosticism in the first century was it denies the incarnation of God. It denied that God had come in the flesh because, because flesh is bad. Remember, Gnosticism, flesh is bad. So God could not have taken on flesh. No, he, he just temporarily took up uh, the human body of Jesus for a few years after he'd grown up, just those final years when he was doing ministry, and then he left him on the cross. That's kind of where Gnosticism lands. And so we've got this going on in our culture today. Gnosticism. This disintegration of the connection between body and soul and spirit. In fighting for identity, this is something we are going to have to guard against and protect our children from. Because this is the message that is going to come through. It comes through... and. There used to be safe children's movies that you could go and take your children to. I'm not sure those days are with us any longer because many of those movie studios have been captured by this ideology and are intent on promoting it as far as much as possible in all their movies and you will see all these kinds of things more and more in, in some movies. I think that the transgender lie is one of the great tragedies and injustices in the world today. I really do. It's causing untold pain and hurt everywhere. And this lie that people need to have their bodies surgically altered. This lie that people need hormones to... Uh, they, again, they use the words... It, um, Gender confirmation, they call it now. It used to be called gender realignment, but now they call it gender confirmation. The thing with all of this is that once, you, if you actually look into it, I, one of the things that shocked me as I've been doing, continued to research and read around this area is that when a person goes down this road of beginning to take h hormones, 
uh, which will lead to some other things further on, they are committing to be permanently a patient of the medical system. They will never, ever not be able to take those hormones. They will forever, they, they forever, I would say the word condemned to that process. Now, at the same time we've got that going on, we've got true medical science telling us a very different story based on facts, based on science. And one of those people is Dr. Paula Johnson, and I discovered her work in 2018. Uh, Dr. Johnson is a preeminent cardiologist. She's a scientist. She's an educator. And she's a pioneer in women's health and research. And in her 2014 TED Talk, His and Hers Healthcare, she said this, every cell in the human body has a sex, which means that men and women are different right down to the cellular level. In other words... Every single cell in every man carries the XY chromosome. And every cell in every woman carries the XX chromosome. And the science is actually undeniable about these things. And it's why there's a push within the health system that we, un that we treat men and women separately because... The way some diseases manifest in our bodies is different based on this chromosomal reality. So no one is ever born in the wrong body because every single cell from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet is coded with either with an XY chromosome, if I'm a biological male, or an XX chromosome as a biological female. So that's, that's what medical uh, researchers are, are pursuing in the, in the area of the genome healthcare. That is our reality. And so you've got to wonder why such a lie as uh, transgenderism can even get airtime. How is that so? That the ideology can even get breath when the medical science does not support it in any way, shape or form and we're condemning people. And people are struggling for identity. We struggle for identity because we choose not to follow God. That's, it. That's the essence. The Bible calls that sin. And sin causes profound alienation. And, and this does not just occur in, in... It occurs in every single human being. So you might be sitting here this morning saying, well, Wayne, I'm not wrestling with transgenderism, but perhaps you're wrestling with walking in the fullness of an identity as a son or daughter of God. Walking as a person with dignity. There's all sorts of different ways that we are fighting for identity at the moment. And it comes down to this reality that sin causes profound alienation that I think we underestimate. I think I underestimated it in my own life for a long time. And um, Sam Albury, who is a pastor, author and speaker, who's written some books that include, Is God Anti-Gay? Another one of his books, What Has God, God to Say About Our Bodies? Another book he wrote was, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? And another one was Seven Myths About Singleness. And Sam Albury says, 
Sin causes profound alienation, first and foremost from God. And we're alienated from ourselves. What was meant to be whole and integrated, our mind, body and spirit, is now deeply fractured. And we don't feel aligned in ourselves. Now this is, this is a reality that every single person grapples with. Is that we feel like out of joint. We feel disjointed and because of this fracturing that sin has happened. Now some of that is a result of our sin, but some of it is also the, the effects of generational sin that, is, that has come to us through our generational line. This fracturing, this alienation. And so the only answer is Jesus. He's the one who makes us whole. He's the one who restores us back into relationship with God. He's the one who restores us into right thinking and integration of body and soul and spirit. But my experience is that that's a process, not an event. I went through, there was a period in my life where I had had to go through a long fight for identity. Not as a man, in the way that some people are talking about, but like to who I was and to walk in that and understanding who God had made me to be. And it was a fight, and it, and it was a fight to align my mind with what the scripture said about me, with what God said about me, that I was chosen, that I was loved, that he had set his affection on me, even in my brokenness and my sin and all the stuff that none of that surprised him. I kept surprising myself with my sin. Well, that was a new one. But God was, God was never surprised. He knew what he was getting when he chose me. He knows what he's getting when he chooses you. This is the glory of grace, everybody. This is the magnificence of grace. It's why we don't ever, we cannot ever hide ourselves from God. And, it's a, and it is a complete waste of time and emotional energy to try to hide from him. Any part of ourselves. It's just, God, this is the truth about me. I know it doesn't accord with what you say. Please transform me. This is my prayer. So I need to, we all need to have Jesus as our role model. Jesus is the influencer that we need. The reality that this, that our God became incarnate. God, flesh and blood. He was a man with a body, soul and spirit. I really like one of the songs that we sang early this morning. And I wonder if you like it too. It's got these words in it. No other God can be called a father. No other God can be called a friend. No other God can be called Redeemer. No other God is coming back again. Right? If you exam- There's no other religion, you use that word in its broadest sense, that has God as Father. That it says God is my friend. So this is the dignity that we have as human beings, that God himself became a man body, soul and spirit to redeem us, 
to restore us back to God and we could live integrated lives, body, soul and spirit. So don't be surprised if you have to fight to walk in your identity as, as a son or daughter of God. Don't be surprised about that. Don't think there's something wrong with you. There is, but <laughs> it's nothing that surgery or drugs are going to fix, right? It's Jesus. It's time with Jesus. It's worshipping Jesus that we need. It's a fascination with Jesus, gazing on him. It's cultivating that spirit of curiosity as I'm reading the Bible and I'm asking questions to God and about God. Why did you write that, God? Why did you say that? How can I be aligned with this? How can I line? How can I bring myself? Help me, God. Help me. Transform me. All of these things. So let me finish with these things about fighting for identity. There are steps to take to, to fight for your God-given identity. Number one, it all starts with worship. And not just here, not just here on Sunday mornings, not just in the prayer room during the week. It's in your bedroom, it's in your car, it's riding your electric bike, it's whatever you're doing. It's worshipping him because he's worthy of worship. It's cultivating that spirit of worship. It's cultivating a spirit of thankfulness. When you get up in the morning, it's saying, God, thank you that I woke up this morning. That's a really good, that's a really good opening phrase out of your mouth, even before you get out of bed. You open your eyes and go, thank you, God, I woke up this morning. I've got another day to love you, to serve you, to worship you. Thank you for this opportunity. Worshipping God becomes the, the oxygen that I breathe. I cultivate that. I learn this. I take every opportunity to worship him in lots of different ways. Number two, to fight for my God-given identity, I have to abandon denial and denialism. I have to abandon the suppression of the truth. The, the suppression of the truth about myself, the suppression of the truth about God, I have to abandon those things. And I need to align with God's truth, that God created two genders, male and female, created in the image of God, and together there's, there's this thing of the male and the female together becoming one and being the full expression Men aren't the full expression of the image of God. And nor are women the full expression of the image of God. So men, women can never say, I don't need men. Men can never say, I don't need women. It's like, we have to do this together. We have to learn to do this dance together. Because when one wins, both lose. That's so important. And that's a whole nother conversation. Men are losing at the moment because our culture is um, escalating and elevating women, which there's some really good stuff going on in that. So women don't hear that I want you to be put down. But when we solve one problem we, and we push the boys down and elevate the girls... The boys lose, which ultimately leans the boys and the girls lose. 
That's a much bigger conversation. That's like a hand grenade I know I've thrown into the midst of you. I got plenty of material on that. So stay tuned. It won't be today. Number four. So we align with God's truth, which means we say, my body reveals that I'm either male or female. This is what, and so my mind, if my mind and my emotions are telling me something, it's my mind and my emotions I need to change. They're the things that I need to bring in alignment and into submission to the truth about God. The reality is, yes, fighting for my identity is saying, I am an image bearer of him. I bear something of God's likeness. And that I am wonderfully made. That God did not make a mistake. I just want to close with a couple more comments about examining our influences. When you're reading someone's book, even a textbook at school, or you're watching someone's YouTube videos or their posts on social media, start to ask yourself the question, is this person a worshipper of God? Just ask that question. Do they acknowledge that God exists? Are they a worshipper of God? Or or are they someone who refuses to worship God? And and saturate yourself in Romans 1, the fruit of what that says, when you go and look in Romans 1. Is this someone who declares the glory of God when images like the web telescope images show up? Is this someone that goes, God is amazing... Or do they not say anything? Or what do they do? Do they declare the glory of God? Is this someone who agrees that God created males and females as his image bearers? Do they agree that God is creator? Are these things being said? And if they're not being said, I I need to filter everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm seeing through another lens. I've got to filter it out so that I remove that bias that comes from, as Paul says, someone who is, they've refused to worship God and they become, their mind has become dark and confused. That doesn't mean they don't know any, any relevant information or facts, but ultimately there's a darkness on them. And so... Our antidote, everybody, is, is not hard. It's not difficult. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't even have to buy anything to get it. It's simple. Worship God and saturate your mind, your will and your emotions with the scriptures. That is it. Scriptural truth, morning, noon, and night. Reading God's word, letting it penetrate into our spirits. When we read things that we chafe against, that we react against, we, we go to a place of curiosity and we say, Lord, align my thoughts with your thoughts because I don't know what's going on here. 
So we align with the scriptures. I invite you to stand and pray with me. Let's close our eyes. Focus on the cross of Christ. And remember that sin causes this profound alienation and disintegration internally. So the first thing we want to do is to submit ourselves to Jesus. Is to turn from our sin, turn from our rebellion against him. Against living my life my way, my way without Jesus. Turn from mocking and scoffing and in humility bow before Jesus and say, Jesus, cleanse me of all my sin. Give to me a new nature, your nature. Give to me your character. Heal my fractured mind and will and emotions. Restore me back to relationship with you, God. And restore me internally to be an integrated person, body, soul and spirit. Jesus, I submit myself to you and ask you to take up your rightful kingship and rulership over my life, every part of me. Father, you're the God of all hope. And in a culture that's saturated with ideology, a culture that exalts itself against the knowledge of you, God, we're people who have hope because you are not defeated by ideologies. People cannot suppress the truth about you on a permanent basis for you are the creator of all life. You are the source of all life. So we bless you today. We exalt you today. We have confidence in you today that as we fix our gaze on you and as we teach our children to fix their gaze on you and to worship you, that they will grow up to be men and women who walk in their identity as your sons and daughters and who display you to the world around about them. We have hope because of you, God. We are not defeated. We are not overcome. We are, in fact, the overcomers. We are the ones who are overcoming because we are, we are surrendered to you and you are the one who has conquered sin and you have conquered death. And you are preparing a glorious and eternal kingdom that can never be shaken. It can never be taken away from those who love you and worship you. So God, we say, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. You alone are worthy of worship. Holy Spirit, I ask you, teach us to be like children. Teach us to sing and to dance before your throne. Teach us to worship with joyful abandon before you. Because we belong to you. Teach us the ways of Christ. Oh, let your word take root in our hearts. Give to us that spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we grow in the knowledge of who you are. That our eyes are wide open and filled with light. And we can see the pernicious lies in our culture. 
we can see the denial, the deception, the duplicity in the language of the people around about us. Oh, let our mouths be clear. Let our language be unobscured. Let us be people who speak with clarity and with a clear call to the worship of the true and living God because you alone are worthy of worship. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are marking us. I thank you that even as we've been speaking and singing today, you've been marking us with your identity in a deeper way. Take it deeper than it's ever gone before in our hearts. Transform us in every way, shape and form, body, soul and spirit. Transform us and align us with your truth. I praise you, God, that you are doing all this and more. Because as your, as your, your word says, you are the God who does immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine. So I praise you, God, that you are raising up a company of people, not just here, but across the earth, who walk in their identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Examples of praise and adoration to you. So we say, all glory to you, God, now and forever. All glory in the church and in Christ Jesus now and forever because you alone are worthy we bless you God in Jesus name Amen New Life Church as we go from here today I bless you in the name of God Father, Son and Spirit to be people who give thanks and live in the grace of God I bless you to go forth into the world in peace to be peacemakers, to be of good courage, to hold fast to that which is good and to render to no one evil for evil. I bless you to strengthen the faint-hearted and support the weak and help the afflicted and honour everyone and especially to love and serve the Lord and rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. So the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.